Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And today, Derek, we gotta go fast. Oh. Gotta go fast. So fast. <laughs> so fast. Because today, we are talking about the 90s or 80s-ish Sega breakout hit Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, man. This game was really fast-paced. What a change. I mean, I didn't have a Sega growing up, so whenever I'd go over to a friend's house who did have a Sega, you know, you put the cartridge in. We're playing this game. I can't keep up. No idea what's going on. Too quick (laughs) for me. Maybe it's just my slow mind. My reflexes aren't great, even at a young age uncoordinated, falling over all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I was I was fine. But I couldn't play this game. I was really bad at Sonic. <laughs> I mean it, it was, was a lot of fun. The 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 Sonic, I yeah. mean it's not it's not even just the game. It's not even just the flagship title. It's you know, it's launched movies, the television shows obviously when you know we were growing up. Multiple Cereals. sequels, serials, spaghettios. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all this Sonic merchandise all over the place and was yeah. definitely like a big part of growing up in the 90s it was it, it was very much you know releasing in the very early 90s which pretty much everyone always calls the 80s kind of any generation is that first year or two in it's still kind of the past decade but it's those those 80s kids you know we're kind of the early 90s kids hitting this up it becoming this household name you know, not even just from Sega, but just from, like you said, like TV shows, products, and just knowing who Sonic the Hedgehog was synonymous with Nintendo's Mario. I mean, it was it was the rival to it. And you had these two flagship characters kind of going at it all throughout there and in two different ways. You know, they very much wanted to speed it up. They saw like Super Mario as kind of like a, a slower paced side scroller. They're like, what if we did that times 10? I'm going to hit you with a hot question just to start this podcast off. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Mario, Sonic, Crash Bandicoot. Mm -hmm. What's your pick? Mario, um, just because. But Crash Crash crashed onto the course. And if we're talking racing games, they all have one. (laughs) They all have one. That's the thing. They're all the flagship. They're all the flagship for it. Um, You know, we're just waiting for that Master Chief uh, Mario Kart esque game to come out, just, and I, then we've got <laughs> we've got them all. That's yeah. the, we've got them all. If we get a Master Chief Mario Kart game, I'm gonna snap that up so fast. I mean, hey, three four three, get on it. 
So let's jump into it. Sonic the Hedgehog is a platform video game developed by Sonic Team and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis. The first game in the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, it was released in North America in June 1991 and in the PAL or PAL regions and Japan the following month. The game features Sonic the Hedgehog, who can run at supersonic speeds, setting out on a quest to defeat Dr. Robotnik, a scientist seeking the Chaos Emeralds that has imprisoned animals and robots. Gameplay involves collecting rings, and similar to other platforms of the era, like Mario, simple controls featuring a single button for jumping and attacking. Sega was looking for a mascot to compete with Nintendo's Mario, and in 1990, they ordered development for a new flagship character. After many suggestions, the developers decided on a blue hedgehog and named themselves Sonic Team to match the character. Sonic the Hedgehog, designed for fast gameplay, was influenced greatly by the Super Mario franchise. However, Sonic uses a unique technique that allows the player to roll around curved scenery, which originated in a tech demo created by programmer Yuji Naka. The music was composed by Masato Nakamura, songwriter of the J-pop band Dreams Come True. Sonic was well-received by critics, who praised its visuals, audio, and gameplay. It was also commercially successful, becoming one of the best-selling video games of all time, with approximately 24 million copies sold worldwide across all platforms. Furthermore, it established the Genesis as a key player in the 16-bit era and allowed it to compete with the Nintendo's Super Nintendo. The game has been ported a number of times and inspired several clones, a successful franchise, and adaptations into other media. You know, cereal. Cereal, SpaghettiOs, TV shows. We got it all. Ben Schwartz, Jim Carrey. It never stops. Got it all. Never stops. So in 1983, programmer Yuji Naka was hired into Sega's consumer development division. His first project was Girls Garden, which he and Hiroshi Kawaguchi created as part of their training process. For his next game, Fantasy Star, from 1987 for the Master System, Naka created pseudo-3D animation effects, and he met artist Naoto Oshima while working on the game. Around the late 80s and early 90s, a rivalry formed between Sega and Nintendo due to the similarly timed release of their 16-bit video game consoles, the Sega Genesis, and the SNES. However, Sega needed a flagship character that could represent them as Mario represented Nintendo. Conversely to Nintendo, Sega wanted a character that could appeal to an older demographic rather than preteens and could demonstrate the capabilities of their console. It's rumored that Sega of Japan held an internal competition to submit character designs for a mascot, but designer Hirokazu Yasuhara contests the direction was given only to himself, Oshima, and Naka. Oshima designed a blue hedgehog named Sonic who was inserted into a prototype game created by Naka. The Sonic design was refined to be less aggressive and appealed to a wider audience before the division began development on their platformer. According to Oshima, Sega was looking for a game that would sell well in the United States as well as in Japan, and Oshima and Naka already had a suitable candidate, with Oshima having worked with Sega's toy and stationery department on design ideas. Oshima believes that the progress they'd already made encouraged the company to select their proposal. Sonic the Hedgehog began with just Naka and Oshima, but eventually grew to involve two programmers, two sound engineers, and three designers. Yasuhara 
joined to supervise Naka and Oshima and develop levels, and became the lead designer and developed the one-button damage system. Sonic the Hedgehog was released in 1991 and was a major success, helping to contribute to millions in sales for the Sega Genesis. And it really did. I, I don't know if Sega would be such a household name if they didn't start establishing these IPs early with Sonic and the various other ports they have, just because, like, look at all these older systems that maybe had some games that worked for the time, but nothing that a consumer, like, why should I buy your console over this one if you both just have a racing game, if you both have this style of game? But when you get that flagship character, that branding, this is really that early era of video game branding that starts the gigantic snowball of the gaming industry that we're in today. Absolutely. And and Sonic was a really great design in a good comparison. I think doing a side-scroller versus side-scroller was a good decision by them. Yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of one for one and showing like, hey, like they have a side-scroller, we do too. Here's the reason why you'll like ours better. Not only is it a faster-paced level design, we have a bit different music, we've gone for an older style, but you get to be Sonic, not just Rando Man 5000. You get to be this titular character, very much how Mario grew into that. And I, without it, like, like, what would it be? Like I said, like, if you just had a random, like, no name, and you're like, oh, okay, this game's cool, you go fast, neat. Like, it's a challenge, great. Right. I'm going to go back to this plumber guy, this Italian plumber. Well, and, and, they, and did play such on that a, side. they did such a great job with the Sonic design, too, because they made him look sleek and fast and. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really did uh, just a fantastic job of obviously the game design itself, but also just making that character look like something that could be fast. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. So let's break down the background and character design of Sonic himself. In the 80s, Sega had little success with Genesis ports of its arcade games and wanted to better compete with Nintendo. The process of creating a character to rival Mario took three years, but Sega of Japan felt this was important to Sega's branding. In 1990, Sega ordered its in-house development studio to develop a game featuring a mascot for the company, and President Hayao Nakayama requested a character as iconic as Mickey Mouse. While Sega already had a mascot in Alex Kidd, he was considered too similar to Mario and was eventually replaced by Sonic. Development for Sonic the Hedgehog emphasized speed, so Sega considered real-life speedy animals such as kangaroos and squirrels. One idea, a rabbit able to grasp objects with his ears, was exciting, but was way too complex for the Genesis hardware. The team narrowed its search to animals that could roll into a ball, their idea for an attacking move, and narrowed their search to armadillos and hedgehogs. While Sonic the Hedgehog was eventually chosen, the Armadillo became the basis for Mighty the Armadillo, who appears in 1993's Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, an arcade-exclusive ooh-la-la. No. After approval, Oshima went to New York, taking sketches with him. He stood in Central Park and asked locals for their opinions, and Sonic was the favorite. Oshima also displayed a man with a mustache, who eventually became Dr. Robotnik or Eggman, and was based on Humpty Dumpty. I found that point super interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and Humpty like, Dumpty, it, it just never occurred to me. But yeah, makes sense. 
Yeah, Eggman. And, and I love, like, that's such an interesting way of just, like, I'm flying from Japan just to go to the middle of New York and hold up. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? This guy or this guy? This guy or this guy? <laughs> like, that's their marketing research back in the day. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I also love that they considered uh, kangaroos and squirrels to be speedy animals. You, know, you think about, <laughs> I mean, like, cheetahs. Or you think about mm-hmm. other kinds of quick animals. But no, kangaroos or squirrels. Let's do that. Hey, it's the way to go. Sonic was originally teal-colored with a light shade of blue, but was eventually changed to dark blue, so he would stand out against certain backgrounds and would match Sega's logo. According to Oshima, Sonic's basic design was created by combining Felix the Cat's head with Mickey Mouse's body. His shoes had buckles inspired by Michael Jackson's boots on the album cover for Bad, and the red and white color scheme of Santa Claus whom Oshima felt was the most famous character in the world. Sonic's spikes were emphasized to make him look sleeker and to smooth the animation into his spinning attack. Originally, Sonic was just named Mr. Hedgehog. Oshima stated that Sonic was chosen because it represented speed. Do you like that, Alex? Mr. Hedgehog. I like that very much. It's it's very formal. (laughs) Could you imagine in the cartoon, Sonic goes up to someone, Oh, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. That's Mr. Hedgehog to you. And it would be so dumb because he would have a bow tie that would spin really fast like he did when he gets angry. That's who Mr. Hedgehog would have been. Of course. Background characterizations proposed to flesh out the character included placing him in a rock band, giving him fangs, or even giving him a human girlfriend named Madonna. But Madonna was too old at this point. But Sega of America suggested they keep the Sonic character simplistic. They were also concerned that Americans wouldn't even know what a hedgehog was and suggested a full rebuild, but compromised with Sonic Team to make design changes. Sonic's main antagonist was named Dr. Eggman in Japan and Dr. Robotnik in other regions as a result of a dispute between Sega's American and Japanese divisions. And I think that there's actually a lot of influence on the Sonic franchise just based on the separation on what was right and what was wrong between mm-hmm. the American and Japanese divisions. And we see this a lot in in um, Japanese uh, or originated companies. Where we go back, and uh, I feel like I reference this all the time, but when you think about Nintendo of America versus the Japanese leaders of Nintendo, and you think about Pokemon, and they wanted Mm -hmm. to just basically recreate so many of these iconic characters, including Pikachu, and sometimes the Americans are right, and sometimes they're not. And in this case, I feel like both work really well. Absolutely, and and trying to localize or regionalize things especially pre-internet days when us dumb americans couldn't look up different animals (laughs) but going to like four kids with pokemon where they change out a lot of traditional japanese foods or foods that are deemed non-american and they throw in like a sub sandwich or brock calls like rice balls and stuff donuts yeah oh yeah and and (laughs) and it's like those are like just the weird changes as if american kids like wouldn't understand that like that's not food that's not a real thing it has to be a donut (laughs) right i mean come on you're you're telling me we can't do that looking at that there's no hole (laughs) there's no hole that's taped together rice 
that's, that's where, yeah, that's where a lot of that division comes very early on. And it is, it is very tough. I mean, having two very distinctly different cultures where Japan was westernizing a lot of after World War II, but still having their own way of seeing things and then trying to be like, I don't know if an American audience or a Japanese audience would understand these two things. And it's just funny to see that in English specifically, like Eggman and Robotnik are so interchangeable and everyone knows exactly who you're talking about in the Sonic franchise, regardless of what name you use. And they even even swap them sometimes in the future games when they actually have the characters talk. They'll swap between the two of them. Well, it's almost like a tease, you know, mm-hmm. where you could call him Dr. Robotnik. You know, that's the official name, but Sonic's like, okay, Eggman. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such like a like a like a downer name or kind of like making fun of him and his shape and like him having to like use these flying things and like Yeah. It, it is. And it's it's a very like it it takes that kind of punk rock idea, that rock band idea of Sonic and gives him like that little like edginess to him. Oh yeah. That, and that Mario doesn't have. And that uh, punk rock and putting him in a rock band idea is just carried on so well within the franchise because they really stuck to mostly like a rock band feel mm-hmm. for these games. Mm-hmm. So it, it originated here and it's continued on to this day. And there's been a little bit of a compromise between the American and the Japanese audiences because we've got, uh, I guess they settled on chili dogs, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just an interesting way to build up the character and it's, and it, it did. It became this iconic character in its own sense that kind of broke that barrier down of the two different cultures. And, you know, after your uh, you know initial launch, then the character kind of became its own thing. It wasn't just Sega Sonic. It was Sonic the Hedgehog, who was like its own entity in a way and kind of like transcended that, you know, cultural gap between it, which is which is really cool. Yeah. That chili dog thing was a joke, by the way. I don't I don't think there's a it just didn't land at all. Oh no, no, no. They 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 fully <laughs> chili dogs have I don't chili, I don't know that there's saying. a connection chili between dogs, chili dogs and Japanese and American audiences. But if there I, is you know what? I think I think there is because you know, I'm I'm not a huge kind of sore or knower of Japanese street food, but Korean street food, there's a lot of hot dogs involved. Oh. So they could even breathe a bridge of connection. Korea is the bridge connection between the United States food and and Japanese food. Okay. We might have just you solved here. something here on Finish the Fight. We just solved it. <laughs> and after our solving the case, let's talk about the concept and programming, what it took to build out the game, and what Naka did really to get this off the ground. So with their flagship character design completed, Sega turned to programmer Naka due to his work on Fantasy Star and Port of Ghouls and Ghosts. Naka, like most gamers, was a fan of Super Mario Bros., but desired something faster. So Sonic was made to play quickly and reactionary, and it's where he focused most of his time. While the team originated at 7, members were added as the need for content increased, and the team worked under the codename Defeat Mario. Original development with the Rabbit character had led to some issues. For instance, The rabbit's ears lifting and tossing items led to breaks in gameplay. Sega appointed Yashihara to supervise Naka and Oshima and to develop levels. He became the lead designer due to his greater experience and decided the game's playability could only be achieved through Sonic's ability to jump and damage the enemies simultaneously. So they came up with the idea of, what was known at the time, the rabbit rolling into a ball. After the Hedgehog character was chosen, 
Many characters were redrawn, and the team agreed on the environment's visual complexity, with particular focus on vibrant colors. After this, four members were added to speed up development. Because of Mario's popularity and Sega's desire to overtake him, Sonic's default speed was set to that of Mario while running. Tests were run using Genesis Tool Library, but problems such as flickering, slowed frame rates, and shaky animations were obvious, with Sonic's speed as the main culprit behind the shaky animations. Eventually, Nakas solved this by developing an algorithm that allowed the game to remain fluid. But despite this algorithm, the team noticed that different people had different perceptions of the game's speed. Some believed it was too fast, and as a result, it was slowed down. Naka's algorithm allowed a sprite to move smoothly on a curve by determining its position with a dot matrix. His prototype was a platform game with a fast-moving character rolling in a ball through a long, winding tube, and eventually the concept was given details with Sonic's character designs and Yasuhara's levels. Yasuhara was only meant to work on the game for three months due to the delay of his planned move to the United States by the outbreak of the Gulf War, but actually worked on the project for nearly a year. His level designs were intended to attract both hardcore and casual gamers by integrating occasional challenging set pieces into the mostly accessible level design. The color scheme was influenced by the work of pop artist Aizen Suzuki, and the aesthetics of Green Hill were influenced by California. And Green Hill, it's such a classic level. These early like level designs of Mario, Sonic, and, and the like were so iconic. I have a theory on why Green Hill is so popular. Oh, and well, I do, do tell. Because no one got past it. Because this game was so hard. <laughs> so it was the only level you ever played. <laughs> so you play like the four Green Hill Zones. You're like, nope, can't get past the fourth that one. That is correct. Like, you got to Dr. Eggman and you maybe beat him or you maybe didn't. And then you started over and you played Green Hill another time. So that's why it's Understandable. iconic. Uh, let, let me go on just a quick tangent real quick. Talking about games like that. So I had the Super Mario RPG for uh, Super Nintendo. I, at the time, had thought that it was just a demo. So I would just go to okay. fight Bowser for the first fight and then just keep restarting the game. And I did not understand oh that there was more to it, unfortunately. But there was. Yeah. It was a, it was a sad day for Gamer Alex. Yeah. Well, I ended up giving that game to a friend because I'm like, yeah, you can't do anything. You just fight Bowser and then you're done. I don't know why I got this game. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it, was, it was so dumb. That's awesome. But getting back to it, despite Sonic's intent as a rival to Nintendo, Shigeru Miyamoto's designs for Mario were an influence on Sonic the Hedgehog and Naka was inspired by the relative simplicity of Miyamoto's mechanics in complex environments which ultimately led to its D-pad and single-button control scheme. However, he wanted this title to be more action-oriented than the Mario series. The main trio worked 19 hours a day on the project for several months. That is insane. Dude, it's insane. You just Think about office, that, like, really. 19 hours yeah. a day, you sleep five, you mm -hmm. go to work again. That's stupid. 
I wouldn't even say you go to work. I think you just lived there. Right. I think you just like rolled over on the couch, slept for a couple hours, then just got back into the computer chair. 19 hours a day, man. That's craziness. Yeah, it's insane. And and due to the need to demonstrate the Genesis's technological prowess, the game underwent extensive testing and redesign, which took over six months. According to Naka, the game had the fastest ever character speed in a video game and a rotation effect in the special stages that had been considered impossible on the console. Now, the team intended to add a two-player mode displayed via split-screen, but Naka's programming knowledge was insufficient to implement it. A two-player mode appeared in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which came out in 1992, whereby the second player controls Sonic's sidekick, Miles Tails Prower. Sonic Team also intended to include a sound test with animations of Sonic breakdancing to a band of animal characters, including a crocodile keyboardist, who was later introduced into the series as Vector the Crocodile in Knuckles' Chaotix in 1995. The sound test was scrapped for time reasons, and Naka used the freed-up memory to add the Sega chant used in TV commercials as a startup sound. That was good. Can you do that one more time? Sega. See, I hope that hits like the nostalgia bone for people of like booting it up because that that's also like as quintessential as like the GameCube startup. Yeah, that's where it hits for me. Yeah, no, it it is really good. It's it's like compared to consoles now, it's the same as hearing like your PlayStation beep or your Xbox with the little. Yeah, now it's just now it's just beeps or ding dongs. I don't need that. I need a, I need a full. I need, I, need, I need someone to try now. There's My, no more trying. Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, just continue, continue, yeah. continue Sega's thing forever. <laughs> we just need some kind of choir to, because gaming is a noble art, as we all know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> true. <laughs> only, only truth around here, Derek. Only truth. <laughs> so to wrap this up, Naka's relationship with Nintendo was tenuous during this time and he received little credit for his work. He left the company shortly after the game's release, although he was rehired later. Before leaving, however, he defied Sega's prohibition of developer credits by displaying a few names in black text on a black background, identifiable only by looking at the code. Naka stated that level design was a major challenge. He created maps much wider than normal and tried to ensure players would not get lost. It took him around eight months to develop Green Hill Zone as he kept restarting from scratch. Very much like it took Derek eight months to get past the first bit of Green Hill Zone. And then he restarted from scratch. I was actually testing, <laughs> testing Naka's maps, I think. Yeah. I oh, never, Derek did the testing I only beat it like once. Yeah. Naka stated that the team was focused on creating smooth maps and that implementing looping structures was a challenge because Sonic would break through them instead of running up and into them. The backgrounds were also a challenge, as sometimes the game's speed created the impression of going backwards. It's like looking at a set of rims. You're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Is that really going yeah, forward? It, it, and it is. I mean, it's, it's one of those like technological leaps. Where you're like, we're going to make the fastest character ever. Also, we're going to add like basically a, a 2.5D loop where Sonic would go around it. And break the environment but not so right. here we go you gotta find that perfect middle ground where it's like he's going so fast but 
the background has to move with them a little bit. Because mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as much as we all love Green Hill Zone, I know that I do because it's the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't want to see it for that long. So let's let's, let's move on from Green Hill Zone, Derek's first time in his life. Head over to the marketing. Illustrator Akira Watanabe said his goal was to make the characters colorful using clear lines and gradation to finish them neatly. And according to Watanabe, the developers asked him to create a package design similar to pop art without being particular to conventional packages, something original and stylish. The game was not revealed until the January 1991 International Consumer Electronics Show because Sega wanted to wait until the right time and because they saw an opportunity to, quote, steal the show. And at the show, Sonic the Hedgehog was believed to be the most impressive game shown, and it won the CES Award for Innovation. Sega of America CEO Tom Kalinske wanted reassurance that the character would not fail. The global head of marketing, Al Nilsson, became involved and play-tested the game across the United States with Mario fans. They were shown Mario and then played Sonic the Hedgehog. 80% preferred Sonic the Hedgehog. And the game was shown at the 1991 Summer Consumer Electronics Show. It was released in North America on June 23rd, 1991, like we said. In November 1991, Sega of America packaged it with American Genesis consoles, replacing Altered Beast. This tactic enabled Sega of America to sell 15 million Genesis units. And Genesis owners who bought their consoles before the Switch could request free copies of Sonic the Hedgehog by mail. Sega of America created a marketing campaign making Sonic its new official mascot. That's it's such a weird old school tactic of that of like, hey, I bought this with Altered Beasts. Can I get Sonic? Yeah, just, just mail us in a thing and we'll send you one for free. And that just shows like how much they needed this mascot to work. Like it didn't matter what the cost of it kind of was. Like they needed this to go. Alex the kid, out of here. Yeah. Sonic is the new mascot. Well, now it's like, you know what? You're not even gonna buy this console. You're not even gonna get this. So good luck <laughs> getting a game. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's interesting to see like that. That old school way of just, hey, you want this game free? Perfect, yeah. here you go. Yeah, if you go back in time, it's like, okay, PS5, Xbox Series X, nah, you can't even get that. You go back to like nope. Xbox 360, PS3, you're getting Qbert. Go back to... <laughs> <laughs> go, go back to GameCube, PS2, original Xbox, uh, maybe get a demo. I don't know. I don't actually remember yeah, those you, days you, too you well. Get, you get some, you get some demo discs, especially with the first Xbox. You got a lot of their like being a flagship console, getting a lot of their demos out there. Yeah, Sega Genesis. Hey, we'll just give you Sonic the Hedgehog, the original, <laughs> if you want it. Yeah, um, I, I do. As a matter of fact, have one of the OG ones that came with the console, Ooh. and on the side of it, on the front, is the art of the Sonic game. On a fat bar next to it, it says not for resale. Oh, yeah. Not for resale. And I'm sure you can find those being resold all over the world. Illegal. That's why I'm Illegal. Not mine. Copyright Illegal. infringement. <laughs> Arg. So 
Let me go ahead and just dumb this down real quick, but I'm going to go ahead. If none of you have played the OG Sonic, I'm going to give you a gameplay description of what it is. You never played a side scroller. This is for you. Anyone else who's done it, suffer through this. If you've, never, like paid, if you've never played a side scroller, <laughs> what, have, what? what have you been doing? There's got to be doing? one, right? Why yeah, are you, you listening to this? Paulson, you. <laughs> this is for you. Sonic the Hedgehog is a 2D side-scrolling platform game. The gameplay centers on Sonic the Hedgehog's ability to run at high speed through levels that include springs, slopes, bottomless pits, and vertical loops. The levels are populated with hazards in the form of robots, inside which Dr. Robotnik has trapped animals. Destroying a robot frees the creature, but it is not necessary to complete the game. The player must also avoid touching spikes, falling into bottomless pits, and being crushed by moving walls or platforms as well as drowning, which is the scariest thing in the entire world, and the drowning music haunts my dreams today. Sonic's main means of attack is the spin attack, in which he curls up into a ball and rapidly spins his body, damaging enemies and certain obstacles upon collision. This may be performed by jumping or by rolling on the ground. At the start of the game, the player is given three lives, each of which may be lost if Sonic collides with hazardous enemies or objects while in possession of no rings. No, no maidens, no rings. <laughs> Falls to the bottom of this level <laughs> or exceeds an axe 10 minute time limit. Signposts acts as checkpoints to allow Sonic to return to the most recent activated post when he loses the life. The time resets when he returns to the checkpoint. <laughs> We're losing it. The game ends when the player runs out of lives, although the player may return to the beginning of the act or as we call it, derricking. With three lives, if the player has any continues. Is there more than one act? Can you even yeah, drown in Green Hill Zone? I don't actually no, know. No, Green Hill, you can't. Yeah. I know it's like the industrial ones. There's a couple others that have like actual water bits. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I, I have no idea what you're talking about with scary music. <laughs> I've seen Dr. Eggman one time. It was in a dream. Listen, you've lived, you've lived a true life then. You have not lived li- a life of horror. I've seen Drew, or, uh, Jim Carrey. God, Drew Carrey. I've seen Jim Carrey <laughs> Eggman more times than I've seen video game Eggman, for sure. Really? Int- very interesting, very interesting. And I've never seen that movie. So <laughs> that tells you something about marketing. True. Scattered around each level are gold rings. Collecting 100 rings rewards the player with an extra life. Rings act as a layer of protection against hazards. If Sonic holds at least one ring when he collides with an enemy or a dangerous obstacle, all his rings will scatter. He can recollect some of them again before they disappear. But if he's hit without holding any rings, he loses a life. Shields and temporary invincibility can be collected to provide additional layers of protection, but certain hazards such as drowning, Alex, being crushed falling into the bottomless pits or running out of time kills Sonic regardless of rings or other protection. The game is split into six zones, followed by a short final zone. Each main zone has its own visual style, and while some enemies appear throughout, each zone has unique enemies and obstacles. Each main zone is split into three acts all of which must be completed, and at the end of each main zone's third act, the player confronts Dr. Robotnik or Eggman for a boss fight. For most of the fights, Robotnik's vehicle is fitted with different weapons. 
After completing the sixth zone, the player continues directly to the single-level final zone for a last encounter with Robotnik inside a large machine environment. Destroying Robotnik's machine ends the game. And a brief animation shows Sonic's return to the first zone with animals liberated from the villain. Optionally, if Sonic reaches the end of any zones, Act 1 or Act 2, while holding at least 50 rings, a large ring appears through which he can jump to enter a special stage. And in the special stages, Sonic is continually curled up in his spin attack animation and bounces off the bumpers and walls of a fully rotating maze. In these levels, the player earns a number of continues for each multiple of 50 rings collected, but the main goal is to obtain the Chaos Emerald hidden within the maze. Colliding with any of the blocks marked goal ends the level. Wow, that sounds really cool. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> Who knows? Well, Derek, let me, let me, since you haven't gotten that far, let me tell you the actual plot. It's not much, but it's something. In an attempt to steal the six Chaos Emeralds and harness their power, the evil Dr. Ivo Robotnik has trapped the animal inhabitants of South Island not to be consumed, consumed or confused with North Island, which was consumed, <laughs> inside aggressive robots and stationary metal capsules. The player controls Sonic, who aims to halt Robotnik's plans by freeing his animal friends and collecting the emeralds himself. If the player collects all the Chaos Emeralds and completes the game, an ending sequence is shown. If all the emeralds are not collected, Robotnik taunts the player while juggling any of the Chaos Emeralds not collected by the player. This game is so hard. How could they do that? <laughs> you think it's that I'm going to end every level with 50 more rings? No. Ooh, I don't think so. You think I'm going to get all these Chaos Emeralds too? No way. <laughs> it's not happening. So yeah, interesting plot. I think that uh, while the plot is simple, you know, it's not that different from the mm -hmm. successful Mario franchise where you do the side-scrolling, you go through all the worlds every time. It's a fake daisy, except for the very last one. It's always a toad, freaking toad. <laughs> freaking toad. Freaking toad every single time. Oh, sorry, man. Not really her. Why are you wearing yeah, this and, weird and for... outfit, man? <laughs> For, and for both, um, this has formed the framework for, for future titles. Yeah. You know, Chaos Emeralds appear in basically almost every Sonic game or an idea of it. And then like with Mario saving Princess Peach, was Daisy, or really any of those things in between. But that's typically the very linear, this character needs to do this. Yeah. For most of those stories. I think Mario sort of transitioned to star stuff. More than, mm -hmm. you know, just having to rescue the princess. While the Sonic series, at least uh, the last time that I played it, um, was still pretty based around the Chaos Emerald stuff. Yeah. So definitely stayed consistent with that. And I think added a little bit of lore um, to that as well, which has made the series more interesting, in my opinion. But especially in story-wise, like most Nintendo stories, minus maybe Zelda at this point, there's not much to it, yeah. especially having characters that don't talk for things or don't have interactions per se. Um, it, it's very universal in that realm too versus Sonic. But yeah, Sonic definitely fleshes out the story, 
the lore behind the emeralds and who a lot of the characters are. Absolutely. Let's talk about the music and sound. Sega director Fujio Minagishi had connections to the music industry and suggested his friend Yuzo Kayama to write the Sonic score. However, Sonic Team did not think Kayama's music would fit, and so they commissioned Masato Nakamura, bassist and songwriter of the J-pop band Dreams Come True, like we said. Nakamura said he was surprised as he had just started with Dreams Come True, but accepted as he was inspired by the team's desire to outperform Nintendo. Maybe this guy just hated Nintendo. (laughs) Everyone just hated Nintendo. He said the hardest part was working with the limited number of sounds that could play concurrently. He was limited to four and said that his lack of knowledge of music on computers made it, quote, impossible. But he wrote the soundtrack concurrently with the Dreams Come True album, Million Kisses, and after he finished the compositions, they were digitized using an Atari ST and the program Notator. On October 19, 2011, over 20 years after the release, a three-disc compilation of music from Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was released in Japan. The first disc features original tracks from both games, and the second contains Nakamura's demo recordings before they were programmed into the Genesis. The third has songs by Dreams Come True and their associated Akon remixes. That's an Listen, STL that's, that's a... throwback there, baby. Oh, yeah, that, that's a necessary collector's item. If you oh. don't have the October 19, 2021 three-disc comp of Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, what are you even doing with your life? Hometown hero, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, the music, I, I think, is very quintessential, again, to both Mario and Sonic. Sonic, in this game, took a much different approach versus the do 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 symphony yeah. and brought on, like, this bassist of this J-pop band to be like, hey, compete with Nintendo, please. And having never, like, done it creates super super iconic music yeah and and to like just jump into it like very much so of like i just i just joined this band hey come do this i have no idea what i'm doing but yeah let's do it <laughs> i love the let's green hill zone theme <laughs> maybe it's, it's just so maybe cool. the only one i love <laughs> but it, it's it's worth listening to if you have not listened to the soundtrack at all of the the og sonics uh each each zone has such a unique feel to it, again, like Mario's done, but very unique to each of the areas and incorporating some of that background elements, whether it's in like the poison stage or like the metally stage, underwater, green hill zone, it all fits that really well. Yeah. No, I, I imagine that it is very difficult because like band members a lot of times have a, a good knowledge of music, but it really depends on how classically trained you are and it would be difficult, I think, to translate just directly from a band setting to this, like, 8, 16-bit little, you know, kind of music, four tracks. It's a yeah. more constrained type of music. There's probably things that he wanted to do that he wasn't able to do. I haven't heard that those original demo recordings, but I imagine that um, it would be pretty interesting just to hear how much he had to condense his original thoughts just to make them mm-hmm. work in a video game setting for the era. Especially, I mean, very early on in, like, the computer days. Like, I think a lot of people, even at that time in, like, 89, 90, 91, maybe didn't have 
access per se to a lot of the tech that they would need to create these versions of it, uh, which is just really, really interesting. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the variations of the release of Sonic. Typically, for, for modern stuff, you'd have it on multiple consoles or, or various generations. They created like several different versions of it. And the first one was actually an 8-bit version. So a version of Sonic the Hedgehog was developed by Ancient and released in late 1991 for Sega's 8-bit consoles, the Master System, and Game Gear. Uh, Game Gear is very much like the Game Boy. Its plot and gameplay mechanics are similar to the 16-bit version, though some level themes and digital assets are different, and Chaos Emeralds are scattered throughout the levels rather than in those special stages. Gameplay as a whole is simplified. The level design is flatter and has a larger focus on exploration with no vertical loops, and Sonic cannot recollect his rings after being hit. The game has a different soundtrack, composed by Yuzo Koshiro, which includes adaptations of music from the original version. It was the final game released for the Master System in North America. The Master System version was re-released for Wii's virtual console service in North America and Europe in August of 2008. The Game Gear version was released for the Nintendo 3DS virtual console on June 13, 2013, and included as an unlockable game in Sonic Adventure DX Director's Cut for GameCube and Windows, and Sonic Mega Collection Plus for PS2, Xbox, and Windows. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And of course, after the 8-bit version, there was Sonic the Hedgehog on Genesis. To mark the game's 15th anniversary, a port for the Game Boy Advance, Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis, was released on November 14, 2006. And while the port is mostly identical to the original and includes several new features not seen in the original Genesis release such as the ability to save game progress and the inclusion of the spin-dash move. This version, unlike others, received poor reviews, with a Metacritic score of 33 out of 100. The chief complaints concerned its poor conversion to the Game Boy Advance, resulting in a bad performance and poor implementation of the original music and gameplay. As a response to the poor reception and claims that the system could not handle the original game, Simon Tomley, who later assisted with the development of the 2013 mobile port, released an unofficial proof-of-concept version of Sonic the Hedgehog for the system. The unofficial version contains a complete Green Hill Zone and two special stages, as well as Tails and Knuckles as playable characters. So, people coming in to fix the mess, and we'll see that, you know, from like 
the 06 on as people start to make their own kind of fan games of, of various industries. We had the 2013 remaster. A remastered mobile port was released on iOS on May 15th, 2013, with an Android version following the next day. This version was developed by Christian Whitehead and Simon Tomley of Headcanon from scratch using the Retro Engine, previously used in the 2011 remaster of Sonic CD. This port features several enhancements, such as widescreen graphics, the optional ability to spin dash, an additional special stage, a time attack mode, and the unlockable option to play as Tails or Knuckles. It additionally features a heavily expanded debug mode, which allows for use of unused elements and elements from more recent games, such as the character's superforms. The iOS version was updated in 2016, adding compatibility with Apple TV. And then we had a Nintendo 3DS version, 3D Sonic the Hedgehog, and it was released as part of the 3D Classics line in 2013. This version, unlike most of the downloadable re-releases of the game, is not emulated. Rather, the code was restructured to take advantage of the 3DS system's stereoscopic 3D graphics and comes with additional enhancements, such as the option to use the spin dash move, a CRT-style filter, and the option to start from any level. Have you used those CRT-style filters before? Uh, a little bit on the 3DS. Um, it's, again, it, to me, it's just gimmicky to a point. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't a fan, um, but I can see, like, you play a level with it. I've used it on one game, uh, Punch Club if you've ever played that. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird. I don't know. I, I've seen CRT-style filters before. It's not as nostalgic for me. It, it feels like a poor representation. They seem to always want to implement something like that. But, I mean... Yes. I'm and I can see, uh, you know, younger gamers and stuff who've never played on a CRT getting that, like, oh, this is cool, it's old. Whereas, like, everyone knows wait, with a CRT wait, for the... no, do your impression of a young gamer again. Oh, it's cool, because it's old. Oh that's, how, that's how all young gamers I need all, you, all the young gamer listeners <laughs> to go blast Alex on the Discord right now. Oh, okay. I'll be right there, Derek. Uh, you sound like... phrase. <laughs> you sound like, I don't know, strained Cartman. <laughs> Ew, Dick, I'm going to the Discord now. Oh my god. Go to the next one. Leave my kid self alone. <laughs> US Gold acquired the rights to make a version of Sonic the Hedgehog for the Amiga, ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, Amstrad CPC, and Atari ST personal computers, but these went unreleased. Several screenshots exist, some of which resemble the 8-bit version. An enhanced port for the Sega CD was also planned, but was scrapped in favor of Sonic CD. Yeah, so various various plans for releases at the time. Again, for all those consoles that had the worst names available, uh, but trying to get it out there as much as possible. But it's also near the end life cycle for a lot of those. So it just, I don't think it really made sense, especially now that you're getting console brand loyalty coming up like you can only play with those characters on that system yeah this is where you start to get that that divide and, and trying to sell those units versus trying to sell the software everywhere now let's let's start to wrap it up let's talk about how did everyone feel about the old mr hedgehog 
So Sonic the Hedgehog was a commercial success. It became America's best-selling video game for several months in 1991, outselling Super Mario Bros. By Christmas 1991, Sonic the Hedgehog had sold nearly 1 million game cartridges in the United States. It was also Blockbuster Video's highest renting game of the year. In the UK, it was the top-selling Mega Drive game for two months following its release. Sonic the Hedgehog was the best-selling home video game of 91, with 2 million copies sold worldwide by the end of the year, becoming Sega's best-selling home video game up until then. In 1991, Sonic the Hedgehog helped Sega generate a gross revenue of $1 billion US dollars in console sales and capture a 65% share of the European console market. The original version bundled with the Sega Genesis Mega Drive hardware sold over 15 million copies as of February 2009. Apparently it's still selling. I don't know why they picked that year for it, but hey, it's there. It's still going, baby. Still going, baby. The mobile game version also had 8 million paid downloads by 2008. 482,960 units were sold on Xbox Live Arcade as of 2011, and over 500,000 Android downloads were sold between 2013 and 2016, bringing total sales, as we had said at the top of the episode, to approximately 24 million copies sold worldwide across all platforms. At the 1991 Golden Joystick Awards, Sonic the Hedgehog won overall Game of the Year. In the 1991 Electronic Gaming Monthly Awards, Sonic the Hedgehog also won Game of the Year, and at the European Computer Trade Show, it won the awards for Best Video Game and Going Live Viewers Award. Mega ranks Sonic as its third favorite Genesis game in 1992, and in 2001, Game Informer called it the 24th greatest game of all time. Sonic the Hedgehog was praised by critics with scores above 90% from most video game magazines at the time, and it was considered Sega's answer to Nintendo's widely popular Mario series as it was a platformer featuring the company's mascot. In a preview following its CES debut in January 1991, John Cook of Computer and Video Games called it the most impressive game at the show and said it was Quote, another jumpy, jumpy game in the Mario mold, but with an astonishing turn of speed and great music. Upon release, Paul Rand of Computer and Video Games compared the two in-depth and characterized Sonic the Hedgehog as being faster with brighter colors and Super Mario World as having more depth of play. Frank Lidore of Generation 4 believe Sonic the Hedgehog was part of a new generation of games that demonstrate that the Mega Drive is capable of beautiful things in the technical department. Reviewers praised the colorful, detailed graphics. Rand called its color scheme lively but never garish, praising the interaction of color with detail in the sprites, backgrounds, and animations, and describing its graphics as the best available for the Mega Drive. The reviewer Boogeyman of GamePro called the intricate backgrounds eye-popping and gorgeous, which was echoed by meme machines. Critics cited the fast gameplay unprecedented in platformers. The difficulty was disputed, described as impossible by Rand and average by EGM. Rand said about the gameplay in general that it plays like a dream, and according to GameZone, it would enchant players for hours. Primarily because of its Genesis bundling, Sonic the Hedgehog was a factor in popularizing the console in North America, 
thus solidifying it as a competitor to Nintendo and their Super Nintendo Entertainment System. During October through December of 1991, with the game's success, the Genesis outsold the SNES by 2 to 1. At its January 1992 peak, it gained a foothold in the industry and had 65% of the market for 16-bit consoles. Although Nintendo eventually overtook Sega, it was the first time since December 1985 that Nintendo did not lead the console market. Sonic the Hedgehog inspired similar platformers starring animal mascots, including Bubsy, Arrow the Acrobat, James Pond 3, Earthworm Jim, Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel, and Radical Rex. Animals with Attitude games carried over to the next generation of consoles with the developers of Crash Bandicoot and Gex, citing Sonic as a major inspiration. Sonic's success led to an extensive media franchise, with the first of many sequels, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, releasing the following year. It has generated dozens of additional games and a large cast of recurring characters, keeping Sonic and Robotnik mainstays, and continued beyond Sega's exit from the console industry after the Dreamcast. The series has ventured from platformers to fighting, racing, role-playing, and sports games, and also expanded to anime, manga, cartoons, comic books, novels, toys, spaghettios, all this other stuff. It's all there. Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the best-selling video game franchises of all time, with over 140 million copies sold or downloaded worldwide across all consoles, PCs, mobile phones, and tablets by May of 2014. The game's first level, Green Hill Zone, or as Derek knows it, the entire game, has been seen in later <laughs> games, such as Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Generations, Sonic Mania, Sonic Forces, and the Super Smash Bros. series. The game inspired a number of unofficial variants, including Samari, a pirated NES conversion featuring Nintendo's Mario character in levels from the original Sonic game, Sonic the Hedgehog Megamix, a total conversion mod of the original game, and Sonic 1 Boomed, a ROM hack which implements Sonic's redesign from the Sonic Boom animated series. And, as we're seeing in current day-to-day, released in 2020, was the Sonic movie. And coming out, is it later this year? 2022? I believe so. Uh, is Sonic 2, which pays homage to the original Sonic 2 cover. Really cool to see. And I know... That's a whole other can of worms to open up of Sonic movie and everything with that. But it's so cool to see that IP for a new generation in this way and to see like the Sonic name continue on past the rough ports, past the rough gameplay of future games to see Mr. Hedgehog really come into his own. Mr. Hedgehog. I feel like Mr. Hedgehog is a good name for what the original Sonic movie design was versus the Yes. <laughs> that one was Mr. Hedgehog and he was creepy yeah. and really like nightmare inducing. Yes. The sleep paralysis demon Very version so. of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> the the embodiment and personification of the drowning yeah. music was that Sonic the it Hedgehog. Was, yeah, I still think about it sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night and can't move. <laughs> you just hear Chili Dog whispered in your ear next <laughs> to you as dog. Mr. Hedgehog hovers over. It's so disappointing because I love Ben Schwartz, but I can't watch him anymore. Hey, it's understandable. But anyway, that is our wrap of the OG the original, the start of it all, 
Sonic the Hedgehog. As always, Derek, what do you think of it? Why did we choose it? <laughs> I think we know why you think of it at I, this point. You could give it... If you want to rate Green Hill Zone, we'll go with that. <laughs> like, I understand where this game... I understand its intentions. I am a mm-hmm. huge Super Mario Bros. Like, that NES Mario Brothers game, so good. So, so good. I love that. Mm-hmm. I still play that game sometimes. It's my preferred platformer. If I go back and look for something casual, sure. I just could never really get into Sonic the Hedgehog as a as a game, these side-scrolling platformers, because I, I agree with a lot of the criticism of it being too fast. Mm-hmm. I felt like when I was playing this game, it was always moving way too quick. I was missing things. It was like it simultaneously wanted me to be going too fast, but it wanted me to have already memorized everything. And maybe it's just, yeah. you know, a lack of patience on my part. Maybe I was supposed to be going back and learning every route and doing everything. But for a game that feels like it's supposed to be quick and reactionary and fun, I, it felt so painstakingly slow in that process. So for me, this game is like a four out of 10. I do not have fond memories out of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, As far as the Sega Genesis version is concerned, I do like some of the other 3D iterations of Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. But this one was just not one for me. And that's understandable. Again, scores way off the chart. Understandable, though. And and I think... Off the chart because it has numbers or off the chart because it's a four? All, oh, all of, it. It all of the above, just just all of it, <laughs> all of the above. Just just check mark D. All if the they above. had Jim Carrey in the original, uh, I might have liked it more. Might have been like a, a imagine if I if Nobody I was had. running through and then all of a sudden Jim Carrey pops up and he's like, "Somebody stop me!" And then, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I think it would have improved vastly if we had some sixteen bit Jim Carrey action going on. No, but I, I see where it's coming from, and I, I see the difficulty. I grew up as a Sega household, then in a Nintendo household, so, so Sonic was my first platform I worked with. And I agree, it's, it's difficult. It's a very difficult game. It's hard to get into, almost impossible to master unless you dedicate a lot of time and, like you said, exploring the levels. Because it is, there is a lot of vert- verticality and back and forth through a lot of these levels that you may not ever see. You may just go like the route that feels good to you Whereas there may be a quicker route or a secret route to get more rings or variations of it. And then we see that in, in Sonic 2 as well. Um, but I think it's a quintessential game that had to happen. I think it had to push that barrier and push the scope of what a platformer could be as well as in difficulty sense. Because Mario Bros., for the most part, everyone could get it down. There's difficult aspects in sure. the game. And they, they, they ramp those up slightly. Um, but Sonic pushed that, and, and in a literal sense, pushed the speed of it and, and made it go quicker and, and, and changed up the modes of it and had a lot of inspiration, obviously, from Mario and the idea of these platformers, but changed up the scope, the look, the sound, and created the corporate opponent, in a way, that mascot-wise, that I think was necessary to challenge Nintendo and force Nintendo to innovate. If we didn't have anyone going, like what, what would we have seen from Nintendo that they wouldn't adapt or 
try and differentiate from Sonic and later from Crash and from all these other animal anthropomorphic 2D and 3D platformers um, that came out of them. We see Banjo-Kazooie kind of come out of that idea of it from Rare and that idea of like using these animals to explore and platform and have ideas with it. And same thing with Donkey Kong Country and plenty of others have, have come off of the backs of like these two quote unquote rivals that are now frenemies under the same company. It's, it's really neat to see. And it's a really cool piece of gaming history where it was created out of spite. It was created out of like defeat Nintendo. Might as well then spite the hedgehog. (laughs) Mr. Mr. Spite. Mr. Spite. That's my dad. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just really cool Mr. to like, my see dad, that come out of here. You call me Mr. Hedgehog. <laughs> you call me Mr. Hedgehog. Spite Hedgehog, full name. So it's, it's necessary. I, I think as much as, like you said, like it, it wasn't, especially as a younger kid when I played it, um, there were definitely those times where, like, my dad or my cousin had to beat the things. I couldn't beat it. I could get through Green Hill Zone and some other stuff, but it just seemed a such daunting task. And, you know, fighting bosses, whereas in your OG Mario, it's just run under or over Bowser, get the axe. Or have the fire. This was so much more blow like... Blow him up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in Sonic, it's much more of, like, Robotnik would come with various robots. You'd still jump on him, but challenging the way you did it forcing you to change this end game thing that wasn't the same yeah. way each time yeah. it's more similar to like super mario world in that sense yes where there's there's always just a, a little bit of a different different boss you know uh, we've joked throughout this episode I, I think i've gotten through a decent chunk of sonic the hedgehog it's just like every time that I was running through something, I'm pacing it, I'm feeling good about it. You run into an enemy. So it it always just kind of felt like the enemies and their placement and the spikes and stuff were so Mm -hmm. counterintuitive to the design. And that's why I just didn't really like this game because it wants me to be quick so much. But then it's like, I can only react so fast, you know, when the screen is so big and, you know, it's scrolling through. So. It, I understand where people like it. I think the character is really cool. I obviously, and especially when you think of other forms of media, like I'd watch Sonic, like TV shows or movies or whatever, the animated stuff way more than I'd ever want to watch like the Mario series stuff. I feel like they have a lot more potential in that realm and character design. I just feel like the Mario games are are better, and I don't know where the the true money lies i mean obviously now it all lies with nintendo but yeah yeah where did merchandising hit where did this stuff hit and and i don't know if nintendo's ever produced a show that wasn't nightmare fuel especially (laughs) in the 80s through the 90s i thought for sure you were gonna whether it's the super mario brothers movie (laughs) no the movies the movies class act that's an 11 out of 10 (laughs) but (laughs) as far as like the animation goes for whether it was legend of zelda stuff or whether it was Mario, it was just such an acid trip looking animation that didn't ever, to me, fit what these things were trying to do. It, it was the exact opposite of, of how I felt. And maybe, uh, you know, let us know how you felt about like that type of stuff. Or did you watch the Sonic show? Did you 
partake in these things in your younger years or, you know, more recently with streaming? Have you watched any of that type of stuff? Let us know. But if I have to give a rating, just real quick, a rating for Sonic the Hedgehog. I would have to give it a bun da dun 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 bum 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 over Sega over out of that's that's the sound of when you hit the the end spin card. You hit the gate out of ten. Yeah, yeah, out of ten. That's the sound in my head it makes when you hit the little thing that spins a little checkpoint. That's yeah, that's pretty accurate. Sega. Sega, don't sue me for those perfect uh, <laughs> reiterations of your sound effects. Those were from me. They they weren't played yeah. over a soundboard. Just no, that's know. yeah. We're not stealing your <laughs> sound. Just, just so it's clear Alex here. Is really good at. Just really good at. I'm just. I'm just basically. You know, like a mocking Jay at this point. <laughs> that's what I do. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was recorded and composed by our friend Evan Barr and our cover art for all our podcasts was made by Aaron Shattuck. And as always, some beautiful people there. We got the other beautiful people on our Patreon. If you're looking to support us, if you haven't heard any of our fun little ads yet with it, this is how you can support us and get some really cool stuff with shirts, t-shirts, which I guess are kind of the same thing, but you know, different name. One is a T in front of it. Uh, stickers, uh, exclusive post shows, exclusive episodes, access to all of our previous content is on there, as well as some bonuses like our Minecraft server, our D&D adventure, plenty of other really cool stuff. And if there's anything that you'd like to see or just like you'd like to see from other patrons, let us know. We'll see what we can do. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. We also have a Discord. Alex and I are hanging out in there all the time. We'd love to see you there. It's a lot of fun. We got a good crew of people over there. Talk about gaming. Talk about the podcast. Talk about all kinds of different stuff. Off topic. Halo show. Pretty much whatever you want. Come and hang out. Yeah, we have some regular game nights, some other bonus perks there. It's really awesome. And if you want to catch us on Twitch, you can catch me, Alex, over at twitch.tv. Slash Sourman Seventy. That's S O U R M A N Seven Zero. Or Derek over at Twitch.tv slash The Bakerman Two Four Seven. That is The Bakerman Two Four Seven. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, drop us a review. Helps us out a lot, and we love to hear from you guys. And that was our coverage of the OG, the Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog. Have you played some OG stuff? What is your opinion on platforming? Where do you guys stand on the chili versus dog debate? Let us know. As always, I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Eric Baker. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.